This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. In the immortal lyrics of the smash hit power ballad by iconic rocker Meatloaf, I would do anything for love. If you've ever been struck by Cupid's arrow and left starry-eyed by the resulting endorphin rush, you'll be familiar with the sentiment. Whether unrequited or reciprocated, many of us can relate to throwing caution to the wind in expressing our deepest feelings for that special someone. For some people, it involves lifestyle changes, like becoming a vegetarian, or moving halfway across the world to a country where you don't speak the language. For others, it's evident in elaborate marriage proposals, imaginative gifts, declarations of their love through skywriting, or the timeless act of getting a tattoo. Occasionally, people find themselves committing crimes in the name of love. Consumed by the intensity of their feelings, the ability to think rationally can go completely out the window. These same feelings can morph into powerful jealousy in the case where there might be a love rival. In 2007, a curious story broke in the United States about the -the out-of-the-world lengths one love-struck person went to for both romance and revenge. It would be fair to say that even as a youngster, Lisa Caputo reached for the stars, both literally and figuratively. Born in 1963 in Washington, D.C., Lisa was only six years old when, like millions of other Americans, she watched the Apollo 11 moon landing. Good day from ABC Space Headquarters in New York. It is July 20th, 1969. A man is about to land on the moon. She was captivated by what the groundbreaking event meant for the future of space exploration, and over the years, developed a keen interest in NASA's burgeoning space program. Lisa was always excited every time she visited the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, which she did often. In 1978, when NASA announced that it would be accepting female astronauts into the program, Lisa knew this was the career path she wanted. Already a talented athlete at her high school, she also competed on the school math team and served on the student council. She graduated in 1981 as co-valedictorian and was also named Student Athlete of the Year. Following high school, Lisa was accepted to the prestigious U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. At that time, only 6% of the student body were women, and sexual harassment by their male classmates was common. On top of that, there was still resistance from some of the Academy's teaching staff to allowing the enrollment of women. Despite the incredibly difficult challenges, Lisa remained committed to her studies, graduating in 1985 with a degree in aerospace engineering. She was now officially a member of the U.S. Navy and was assigned to the Johnson Space Center near Houston, Texas. In December 1985, The 22-year-old started flight training in Florida, and just 18 months later, in June 1987, qualified as a naval flight officer. Lisa would go on to fly fighter jets and electronic warfare aircraft, eventually becoming a mission commander. Everything was coming together for Lisa Caputo. In April 1988, 
she married former Annapolis classmate Richard Nowak. In early 1992, the now 28-year-old gave birth to the couple's son. During the pregnancy, the overachiever was attending graduate school, and just seven months after her son was born, Lisa received a Master of Science degree in both aeronautical and astronautical engineering. Her tenacity was on full display when, after applying to the U.S. Naval Test Pilot School six times, she was finally accepted and graduated from the program in mid-1994. She had already logged an impressive 1,500 hours of flight time flying over 30 different aircraft. She was also recognized on several occasions for her service to the country, receiving the Defense Meritorious Service Medal, the Navy Commendation Medal, and the Navy Achievement Medal. Yet, while she had flown close to the stars, Lisa had not reached her ultimate goal of going to space. Hi, I'm Charlie Bolden. I'm an astronaut myself, and we're on the lookout for a new generation of space pioneers. Do you think you have what it takes to join NASA's next astronaut class? Then I want you to apply for NASA's astronaut program. Learn more at nasa.gov. In 1995, along with 2,400 other applicants, the now 32-year-old Lisa Nowak submitted her impressive resume for selection during NASA's new round of astronaut recruiting. Almost a year later, following an intensive vetting process that included exhaustive medical assessments and countless interviews, Lisa was named as one of the 25 mission candidates accepted to the program. Training for the new class of astronauts began in August 1996 and lasted for two years. The recruits were thrown into a grueling training program, which included survival training, robotics and piloting, geology, systems maintenance, and mission-specific training, to name just a few. Lisa successfully completed the program in 1998, and for the next few years specialized in the operation of the robotic arm for the space shuttle. In October 2001, Lisa gave birth to twin daughters, and not long after, her husband Richard was sent to the Middle East as the war in Afghanistan was heating up. 39-year-old Lisa was essentially left to raise the couple's three young children on her own. Less than a year later, while the twins were only 12 months old, Lisa was informed that she would be one of a group of four astronauts assigned to an upcoming space mission. The mission had been scheduled for November 2003, but after the space shuttle Columbia disaster in February of the same year, the mission was pushed back multiple times. Columbia Houston, com check. Columbia Houston, UHF, com check. Columbia Houston, UHF, com check. In January 2004, Lisa was participating in a cold-weather survival training course with several fellow astronauts. One of the trainees in the course with her was William O'Fallon. Lisa had first met William years earlier, in 1995, when the two were stationed in Maryland. He had completed his flight training, and before qualifying as an astronaut and space shuttle pilot, had worked in Virginia as a strike operations officer. He had been selected to the next round of astronaut recruits following Lisa's graduation. During their cold-weather training, Lisa, William, and the rest of their group were dropped off by Canadian Armed Forces in remote northern Quebec. They had only their brain power and resourcefulness to rely on to find their way back to civilization, traversing 12 miles through the snow, wind, and bitter cold. 
The experience must have done wonders as a team-building exercise, because when Lisa and William returned to Houston, they quickly became romantically involved. Both were married to other people, so the affair was kept secret, but not just because of the consequences to their relationships. They were both serving officers in the U.S. Navy, and the Navy has a rule about committing adultery. If the relationship was discovered, they both risked being charged with conduct unbecoming an officer. However, the affair continued for another year before William's wife found out and filed for divorce. Lisa's private life aside, finally, after years of postponing, the space mission was scheduled to launch in July 2006. Trained and ready to go, the now 43-year-old climbed aboard the flight deck on July 4th as the mission's flight engineer. This was the day she had worked so hard for throughout her life, and now it was here. Commander Steve Lindsay leading the rest of his crew of Mark Kelly, Mike Fossum, Lisa Nowak, Stephanie Wilson, Piers Sellers. Start. Two, one, booster ignition and liftoff of the Space Shuttle Discovery returning to the space station, paving the way for future missions beyond. At 2.38 p.m., Discovery launched from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida on its way to the International Space Station. The mission wasn't without its challenges, but Lisa had trained for it all. While floating hundreds of miles above the Earth, she developed space adaptation syndrome, which, among other symptoms, can induce severe nausea. Days into the mission and feeling better, she spent part of her time operating the robotic arm to inspect the shuttle for signs of any damage prior to re-entry. There had been concern the spacecraft had been damaged during liftoff. Having found no signs of damage to the heat shield or any part of the shuttle, Lisa and the crew of mission STS-121 undocked from the space station and started the journey home. One minute until touchdown, discovery perfectly aligned. Thirteen days and almost five million miles later, Discovery touched down at just after 9 a.m. on July 17, 2006. Lisa Nowak's childhood dream had come true. Back on Earth and excited to see William, Lisa was surprised to find her calls ignored and messages not returned. Who knows whether it was a case of absence making the heart grow colder, but as far as William was concerned, their affair was coming to an end. In December 2006, William O'Fallon was Discovery's pilot for STS-116, a two-week mission that delivered equipment and additional crew to the ISS. Shortly after he returned, William broke things off with Lisa. He also told her that he had started seeing someone else. He thought she had taken the news well. She had not. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, 
Priceline. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Despite achieving her lifelong dream of going to space, Lisa Nowak's life back on Earth was in turmoil. Not only had William left her, but it would only be a matter of months before her marriage to Richard was over as well. In the face of losing her family, however, Lisa wasn't thinking about Richard and the kids. She was fixated on William. Still, at the time, there were other things keeping her focus one of which was an opportunity to join an upcoming space flight as the mission specialist. She was just waiting to hear back from NASA to confirm her assignment. But when Lisa was passed over for another astronaut, she was devastated. Her attention quickly and fully turned back to fixing her relationship with William. But that would be a problem. He had moved on and was happy with his girlfriend, Colleen Shipman, a U.S. Air Force captain and Florida-based engineer. That, however, didn't stop Lisa Nowak. In the early hours of February 5th, 2007, the plane carrying 30-year-old Colleen Shipman landed in Orlando, Florida, touching down just after 1 a.m. Unfortunately, her checked luggage did not arrive at the same time. Not exactly convenient, especially at that late hour. Assured by the airline that her bags would be aboard the following flight, due to land in two hours, Colleen decided to wait. Exhausted, but now with bags in hand, she climbed aboard a shuttle bus headed to the airport parking lot. It was just after 3.30 a.m. when Colleen left the bus, walked to her car, and got inside. It was odd, but she had a feeling someone was following her. Before she could decide if it was simply exhaustion, she heard footsteps running toward her. A woman approached and began aggressively banging her hands on the driver's window. While hitting the window with one hand, the woman used the other to try opening the locked door. She was yelling at Colleen for a ride, before all of a sudden, bursting into tears. Scared, but also concerned for the woman's well-being, Colleen rolled her window down several inches, but the moment there was a gap, the stranger lifted a canister and shot pepper spray into the car. Shocked, Colleen sped off and alerted nearby security, who immediately called police. When law enforcement arrived a short time later, they located the suspect. As they approached, they witnessed her throwing something into the trash near the shuttle bus stop. In the garbage bin, authorities found the pepper spray, along with latex gloves. It was more than enough to make an arrest and when the assailant was identified, it quickly made headlines around the world. You're talking about an astronaut, somebody who has an occupation of such high esteem, going to an airport to supposedly confront the other woman. Then you got prosecutors saying that a good part of the scheme caught on camera. She was charged with attempted kidnapping, battery, attempted vehicle burglary with battery, and destroying evidence. During the subsequent police interview, 
Lisa told them in detail about her carefully thought-out plan. Before leaving Houston, where she lived, for the 900-mile drive to Orlando, where she planned to confront Colleen, Lisa packed her car with all the items she thought would be needed. A BB gun and ammunition, a drilling hammer, an 8-inch folding knife, pepper spray, latex gloves, a black wig, and a hooded trench coat. She thought it was enough to scare the woman responsible for stealing William from her. When police searched Lisa's vehicle, they also found several brown paper bags containing almost $600 in cash and almost 70 unidentified orange pills. As police continued the interview, they discovered that driving almost 14 hours to have it out with Colleen wasn't the only thing Lisa would do for love. It became apparent that for Lisa to meet Colleen's flight and carry out the plan, time was of the essence. She would be driving from the same city as the flight was leaving to the same city the flight was arriving. Leaving only hours before the flight took off, there would be no time to stop for minor inconveniences like bathroom breaks, for example. It was reported that during the police interview, Lisa admitted to wearing adult diapers during the almost 1,000-mile road trip. This is probably not what Meatloaf was singing about when he said he would do anything for love, but Lisa Nowak apparently would. She later denied this, but it proved to be one of the most enduring details as the story dominated the news and late-night monologues. Astronaut drives 900 miles with a Depend diaper on in an attempted murder scheme. Details at 11. The strange case of a diaper-wearing NASA astronaut driving from Texas to Florida to allegedly confront and kidnap a romantic rival has taken another strange turn. Newly released documents in the case against Lisa Nowak show that a police search of Nowak's car turned up a computer disk containing bondage images. Some of the bondage images showed a nude woman. There were photos and drawings. It's not clear whether any of the images show Nowak. When Colleen Shipman spoke to investigators, she claimed that for the last couple of months leading up to the attack, Lisa had been stalking her. Colleen had even gone as far as submitting a restraining order preventing Lisa from coming anywhere near her. She would go on to give detailed testimony in court. Your Honor, first, thank you for the opportunity to speak today. Um, my name is Colleen Shipman, and shortly after I turned 30 years old, Lisa Nowak hunted me down and attacked me in a dark parking lot. Her attack was part of a well-researched, well-planned, and deliberate crime. I knew in my heart when Lisa Nowak attacked me that she was going to kill me. It was in her eyes, a blood-chilling expression of limitless rage and glee. It's my understanding that Lisa Nowak had researched murder, corpse dismemberment, as well as disguises and trace evidence. And I'm 100% certain that Lisa Nowak came here to murder me, and I believe that she never thought she'd get caught. When Lisa Nowak began following me through the parking lot, I noticed that she still had her duffel bag with her. She was close enough, and it was quiet enough for me to hear the swishing of her pants, and I never heard her drop that bag. I had to sprint to my car to escape her. 
Had I been but a fraction of a second slower in locking my car, this court, I have no doubt, would instead be hearing a first-degree murder trial. First-degree murder trial. First-degree murder trial. Given the amount of evidence collected in the car, as well as the meticulous planning that went into the assault, police concluded that Lisa was dangerous and decided to hold her without bail. Authorities were convinced that she intended, at the very least, to kidnap Colleen and potentially inflict serious injury. The following day, February 6, 2007, Lisa was arraigned in front of an Orlando judge who ordered that she could be released on bail as long as she wore a GPS tracking device and made no attempt to contact the victim. However, before she was released, authorities upgraded the charges to include attempted first-degree murder. The consequences of Lisa's unsuccessful plan were not just legal. 24 hours after the arrest, NASA placed her on leave, during which time she underwent a comprehensive psychiatric assessment. Ultimately, NASA felt it was in their best interest to terminate Lisa's role as a serving officer within the space program. After all, the incident involved not just one, but two of its astronauts, creating an absolute public relations nightmare for the organization. Questions were starting to be asked publicly about NASA's liability, its recruitment process, and the potential ongoing mental health issues of its astronauts. Administrators began wondering what would have happened if this occurred during a space mission. Could Lisa's emotional state have endangered the lives of her colleagues? As the investigation continued, authorities began painting a much clearer picture of Lisa's growing obsession with William. Phone records showed that on the day after William returned from his space mission in December 2006, Lisa had called him at least 12 times. She also sent over half a dozen text messages. Over the next couple of months, no less than 100 phone calls were made between the pair. Investigators, however, were unable to confirm if all the calls came from just Lisa's phone, or if some of those originated from Williams. A month after her arrest, Lisa Nowak was back in court and pleaded not guilty to the charges of attempted murder and attempted kidnapping. It was clear from airport surveillance video that she was at least stalking Colleen Shipman that night. The footage shows Lisa standing near the baggage claim at the Orlando airport, waiting for Colleen's flight to arrive. She can be seen loitering around the terminal for hours. When Colleen's suitcase arrived on the later flight, Lisa is seen putting on the hooded trench coat and following the unsuspecting target to the airport parking lot where the attack occurred. As legal proceedings continued, it became public that Lisa's attorney intended to file an insanity plea on her behalf. Lisa's psychiatric assessments were said to have revealed she had obsessive-compulsive personality disorder and Asperger syndrome. At the time of the attack, she was also reported to have been experiencing psychotic and depressive episodes. The legal proceedings dragged on, as arguments about suppressed evidence and concerns about police misconduct resulted in multiple delays of the trial. While Lisa's actions were under the microscope, William O'Fallon did not escape scrutiny, both professionally or personally. While he did continue serving in the U.S. Navy, his career in space was over. In May 2007, three months after the incident, NASA terminated his service from the astronaut program, citing professional misconduct. William remained in the Navy until he retired in the fall of 2008. Looking for a fresh start, 
he and Colleen eventually relocated to Alaska. In November 2009, a month before the trial was due to reconvene, 46-year-old Lisa Nowak pleaded guilty to the lesser charges of felony burglary and misdemeanor battery. Fortunately for her, prosecutors had decided not to proceed with the attempted first-degree murder and kidnapping charges. As part of the plea agreement, she was sentenced to just one year of probation, and time already served for the two days she was initially held in custody. During the sentencing hearing, Lisa formally apologized to Colleen. I'm glad to have the opportunity to apologize to you, Ms. Shipman, in person. I am sincerely sorry for causing fear and misunderstanding and all of the intense public exposure that you have suffered. Um, I hope very much that we can all move forward from this um, with privacy and peace. Despite Lisa's totally misguided and completely psychotic attempt to rekindle her relationship with William, he and Colleen did stay together, going on to get married in 2010. Following the conclusion of Lisa's criminal proceedings, the Navy recommended that she receive an other-than-honorable discharge and a demotion from the rank of captain to commander. With her successful career in the Navy essentially over, she retired not long after. A committee formed after the strange events unfolded found that NASA astronauts were generally reluctant to raise any concerns about their mental health, fearing their coveted positions in the space program would be jeopardized. The dismissal of Lisa Nowak and William O'Fallon was the first time in the history of the space program that NASA fired an astronaut, let alone two at the same time. The incident led to the establishment and strict adherence to a code of conduct called the Astronaut Code of Professional Responsibility. The review process also resulted in other key changes, including expanded training for behavioral health evaluations. While it's incredibly rare for astronauts to make headlines for anything other than their epic space missions, the case of Lisa Nowak is not the only time the space agency has attracted media attention for the wrong reason. When 44-year-old Summer Warden approached her bank in 2019 with concerns that someone was accessing her accounts, the bank took it seriously. After performing a number of security checks, it became clear that an unknown computer had in fact been logging into the woman's account. The login details were traced back to a NASA employee, who was most definitely working remotely. The computer used to gain access to the financial accounts belonged to Anne McLean, who, at the time, was cruising hundreds of miles above the Earth, aboard the International Space Station. Two separate complaints were officially filed against McLean in 2019, making it the first time an alleged crime was committed from space. However, as the details emerged, the full picture became a lot less galactic and a bit more domestic. It turned out that Summer Warden and Anne McLean were married, but going through a less than amicable separation. According to bank records, at the time of the supposed online breaches, both had authorization to access the accounts. A year later, in August 2020, Summer Warden was charged with two counts of making false statements to federal authorities. If convicted, she could spend up to five years in jail. Astronaut Anne McLean was cleared of any wrongdoing in April 2020, 
and continues to be part of NASA's elite space program. With more and more people living and working above the planet, it's only a matter of time before a real crime is committed in space. When that day comes, don't worry, there's already a set of guidelines that establish the rule of law should the need arise. It's called the Intergovernmental Agreement on Space Station Cooperation, and it states that much like back on Earth, the country whose citizen is involved in a crime has jurisdiction. For such an expansive field like space law, which would have to consider issues like damages and liability, exploration rights and military use, it's still a really unknown area of study. As humans continue to bring human nature to outer space, that's likely to change. is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by Gemma Harris. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. The cover art and design were created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Have any comments or questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. As always, a huge thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.